I brought some toys with me today. You probably see those up on the stand here. Uh, my name's Jeremy, by the way, a preaching pastor, and glad you're here to worship with us today. Does anybody know what this is? Not quite. A Nerf gun, exactly right. This is a Nerf gun. I've got a couple different models here. We've been doing this for several years with my boys, but I've begun to become a little bit disadvantaged and outnumbered, so my participation is decreasing. But if you want to have a Nerf gun fight with them, by all means. But I want to give you some advice, though. Um, if you're perhaps a grandparent and your little babies are moving into Nerf gun war eras, or maybe you're into babysitting, or you have nieces and nephews. It doesn't matter if you have kids or don't. At some point, you're going to want to know how to win a Nerf gun war. So I want to give you a little advice this morning on the best ways to go about doing so. So there's a couple different Nerf guns that you could use. This is one that is pretty attractive because it's got all this fancy stuff. Like you saw, the the stock goes in and out. It collapses. There's these little sights in the front. So you can actually look through this handle. This is a handle, but it also works as a sight. So if you really want to aim, you can look down the tube and aim. So you got collapsible sights, uh, collapsible stock. It's also got a safety on the bottom of the um, grip here. So look, it will not shoot. I'm holding the trigger right now. It's not shooting unless you depress the safety at which point you hear it start humming. That's because this is an automatic. It's a battery operated. Like you want something that, you know, that's going hose and Nerf gun bullets, right? So the thing about it is though, you can see I'm not pointing this at you. I'm being safe. This is an empty magazine. You are all in the clear. So here's your magazine. It also won't go if you don't have the magazine in it. So here's your magazine. You load up, pop your stock. Depress the safety, you're ready to go. You got your automatic Nerf gun ready, okay? All you have to do is pull the trigger. You might even hear it. That's the chamber operating and throwing out Nerf guns, or not Nerf guns, but these little things right here. These are the projectiles or the bullets, if you will. They're the elite bullets, okay? So these are what would be fired out of that one. Now, if your kids are going down the Nerf gun aisle and they look at this Nerf gun and like, that one is awesome. It's automatic. It's battery powered. It's got this. It's got that. Buy it. Buy it. Why? Trust me. Just buy it. Buy this for them and then go and buy this one for yourself. (laughs) And the reason is this. While this has all these fancy gizmos on it, you know, what ends up happening is there's a spring in that magazine. There's also a chamber here. And there's all this stuff that can go wrong. Like all these parts are operating at the same time. Plus the bullets, they're not really that big. So when they shoot, if it's an automatic, it's just kind of going, it's not that accurate. It doesn't shoot that far and it really doesn't sting too much. When it hits, what you want instead, so you get the, give them the fancy one because then they're happy. But what you want is this one right here. Now this one doesn't have flip up sights. It doesn't have a safety. There's no batteries. It's just a plain old 
fashion, single action, pump, shotgun sort of thing. But inside this Nerf gun is not the little elite bullets. Okay, but inside this one, we have the Mega. This is what you want. Six rounds of Mega Nerf gun blasting power. Trust me, six of these is way better than 30 of these. Now, this is a loaded magazine. You want to see how it shoots? Are you interested? Okay. You're wearing your safety glasses down front? Good. You want to hold up your hand, John? See if... Oh, there's a Bible. Okay. Yep. Let's try it. Yeah. See, it's already jammed. Got a jam. Now I got to release my magazine. Drop out that one. See, you don't want an automatic. Meanwhile, if you're in Nerf gun war, what's happening? You're getting pelted. All right. Try again. Okay. See, there we... Oops. Sorry about that. Yep. See, we're jammed again. Right? All right. Meanwhile, I'm getting pelted. All right. One more time. Oops. Sorry. Oh, bang him. All right. Good. Now, on the other hand, this is a mega. And you may even want to listen when this flies. I'm not going to shoot you with this one. All right. I'm going to shoot this one above and beyond. Above and beyond. All right? So if you're out there, you can catch it. Uh, see, a little bit different on the mega, right? And never jams. Just <laughs> thank you, Lord, for humility. Never jams. All right. These also have a little whistle in them that if it's working properly, goes, pew, pew. it's kind of fun, but all right. that was kind of short, but these, did you hear it? Okay, these hurt, these sting, these hit the target. So go ahead and hold up the target again. I'll just try it for fun. I really think I can hit it with this one. Well, I thought I could. (laughs) You do have to count your shots, and it's not a bad idea to have an extra mega in your back pocket, just in case you need it. But, all right. So, there's a mega. The megas work. So, you heard it here first. If you're having a Nerf gun war, buy your kids the big, fancy, automatic, battery-powered whatever. Then get yourself a nice little mega. Be all good. Why? Because what you want when you go into a Nerf gun fight is you want power. More power. You want to bring enough gun. Superior firepower means you win. If you're going into battle, if you're going into conflict, and you want to come out on the other side, what you want is superior power. Today we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 1, verses 16 through 17. And there is a reason for all this Nerf gun and mega stuff. What we're going to look at is the superior power that we have been given. I want to start in verse 16 and 17. You heard Joe read the whole thing all the way through, so I'm not going to read the whole thing all the way through. Instead, what I want to do is really pull out some particular pieces that I want you to see. And kiddos, if you want to help me pick up the Nerf gun bullets afterwards, that would be awesome because I do need them for the second service. Okay. All right. And you can keep one. I'll tell you what. You can keep one. Just one. All right. So Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16, it says this. Here's the thing. We're going to get a unique window on the heart and soul of the Apostle Paul. This is the guy that Jesus basically commissioned to start the church. What is Jesus going to use to lay the foundation for his church, this apostle 
who's going to be really concerned about one thing in particular, and that will be this. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16. The Apostle Paul says this, getting a window into his soul. What is his heart and soul in prayer for the people? He says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Now, anytime you see this word in Scripture, it's revealing the content of something. He says that, in order that. This is why I'm praying for you. This is what I'm praying. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you what? What does Paul want for his people? A spirit of wisdom and revelation of the knowledge of him. Now, when we hear that initially, we say, okay, well, it sounds kind of churchy, sounds kind of spiritual, wisdom, knowledge, revelation of him. What is that? Well, here's the thing. Um, Wisdom, this word here, Sophia, is actually uh, not what we think of when we think of wisdom. We think of wisdom and we think of perhaps some esoteric knowledge, something that only a wizard would know or somebody who, you know, stays in an ivory tower and it's not something that touches the real world. world. But actually what wisdom is, is what you find in the book of Proverbs. It's very practical, earthy, down-home, real-world advice. It's based on God's eternal truth. It's based on the principles that God has set up and put into operation on this planet. But it's something that's real and tangible that you use. There's a reason that Paul wants his people to grow in wisdom because he wants them to live effectively in this world. And wisdom is not just knowledge. Wisdom is practical stuff that you put into play. So in the Christian life, there's not this dichotomy that I hear people set up all the time. They're like, well, you can love Jesus or you can just be in the you know, knowledge camp. And that's not true. That's not true at all. The reality is, to love Jesus, you have to know him. You can't divorce knowledge from your Christian faith. The more you know, the better. The more you learn, the better. The more you're in the word, the better. But you don't just leave it there. Instead, you take what you've learned and you apply it. And that practical application is called wisdom. So the Apostle Paul is commending our spiritual growth via our knowledge. He is. But he's not saying just leave it in knowledge. He's not saying just leave it in every day. He's saying put them together and join them and grow. So he's praying for wisdom and and revelation. Now the revelation here... This is what you would think of as an opening curtain, like at the beginning of a play. Something is being revealed. There's a secret that's behind it, and it's being pulled back. And in the spiritual world, which is what we live in, in the spiritual world, people don't understand Jesus. People don't understand God unless that happens. The Holy Spirit has to come into their heart to change them. You can't argue them into the kingdom. You can't even love them into the kingdom. The only way that they will genuinely change is if the Holy Spirit of God comes into them and opens their eyes so that they can see. That's why this next verse begins to define what is that wisdom and revelation that he's praying for. Look at verse 18. Here it is up on the screen. Wisdom and revelation of the knowledge of him, that's verse 17, having the eyes of their hearts enlightened. That's what the Holy Spirit does. You can't know God unless the Holy Spirit enlightens your eyes of your heart. He has to wake you up and make you come alive. God can do that. 
That's why prayer is important in evangelism. You have to pray. Because even if you have the best presentation ever, it doesn't work if you haven't prayed. First of all, pray that the eyes of their hearts may be enlightened. Now, what is that enlightenment? Here are the three things. And in fact, if you notice in the first few sermons, these are what the sermons were. He has called you. That's your eternal calling. Okay? That's what it was. You know, that quilt, that he, fact that he chose you. We emphasize that in sermon one. That's one thing that Paul wants them to understand. The second thing is their inheritance. We've talked about that too. And the third thing is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe. That's what we're going to get after today. The power. The power that we have as Christians. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm guessing if your experience is anything like mine, you want that power. The reality is life is hard. And life as a Christian is hard. And you probably know that you need to grow in your faith. There are things that you're working on, but you're not there yet. And as hard as you try, it feels like, man, I just can't get over that hurdle. I just can't get over that bump. It's the same thing over and over again. I need some extra power to push me through this. Power beyond me. Power just supernatural, awesome, super duper, mega power. We need some power that's huge. I don't want this little, little itty bitty stuff. I want big time, godlike power. That's what Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 through 23 is going to explain to us today. The power that God will give us. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 through 23 is going to talk about the power of God, and it does so like this. Here's a slide. It's basically going to say, look, the power of God, it is awesome. The power of God is huge. It is supernatural. It is uncontainable, unstoppable, huge. And not only that, but it's ours. Like we have it already. We don't have to go looking for it. And in some ways, we don't even have to ask for it because it's already here. And then third, it's available through the church. So how do we get it? So first, it's awesome. It's ours and it's available. That's what we'll see today in this section of Ephesians Awesome, ours, and available. God's power. Awesome, ours, and available. So the first one, it's awesome. It's awesome. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19. It says this. It says, Paul wants them to know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might. Now, this sort of phrase may not be something you use every day when you're talking to someone, but it's the way the Apostle Paul is going to write when he describes our salvation, when he describes God. He's, he's just heaping phrase upon phrase upon phrase upon phrase because he's, he's just so excited. He doesn't even put in a period or a comma. If you read this sentence, it's all one big long sentence in the original language. He's just like stream of consciousness blurting it out. It's so awesome. It's so great. It's so amazing. Yeah. Over and over again. And here's what he does. The first word he says is immeasurable, immeasurable. Now, I don't always do this, but just for fun, I'm going to do this a little bit today. I'm going to show you the underlying Greek text, and here it is. Immeasurable comes from the Greek word uperbalon. Now, uperbalon, what that would mean is if I have my mega blaster, and I am shooting out here, and you say the target is right here, I shoot it way over the target. Uper is beyond, 
And balon is to throw. So when the apostle Paul is talking about the immeasurable greatness of God's power, he's like, he threw it way beyond, like over the top, super duper, 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 duper far, like Buzz Lightyear would say, to infinity and beyond. Like as far as we can imagine and then some. Way, 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 way out there. That's God's power. That's the first word he uses. And the next word he uses is this. This one is the reason for the illustration this morning. Here's the next word. Greatness. His immeasurable is the first one. Here's a slide. Greatness. And the word for greatness there in the Greek text is mega. Huh? Mega. Right? Got it? You just learned Greek. This is Greek. It's in the Bible. Mega. That's actually megathos. That's just the... declined or the changed version to fit the grammar but he's saying it's super duper power you're not messing around with an elite that kind of goes to the left or goes to the right or falls down or falls short you're a mega when this power hits you it's like boom you know it it's for real it's way beyond it's mega power the third one third word the word power is actually dunamis which sounds like dynamite exactly right that's where we get our english word dynamite so you got Way beyond to infinity and beyond mega, mega, mega power like dynamite. And the third one is this. It's working that's working in us. And that working Greek word is energia. Energy. This is the plasma we talked about last week that is at work in that um, bond that is breaking down the atoms and making it possible for them to form a cohesive unit with the thing that is right up against it. This is changing your chemistry. This is the power that is at work in your life. It is in you. You do have it. And in a lot of ways, you don't even have to ask. It's there already. Super duper, way beyond mega energy, dynamite power. That's what we're talking about here. That's God's power. It is awesome. Well, give me an example of that, Pastor Jeremy. Why don't we just go to the best one we have, which the Apostle Paul uses. Verse 20. Here's the supreme display of God's power ever. Even beyond creating the world. This is the biggest display of his power, he says. That he worked in Christ Jesus when he raised Jesus from the dead. And didn't just raise him, but he seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. Far above, like way beyond Every rule and authority. You thought the other powers were big. You thought Satan was scary. You thought it was a scary movie. That is a joke compared to this power. He is way beyond those. Beyond every authority and power and dominion. In every name that is named. Not only in this current age. But in every age to come that you can ever even imagine. There is no power that compares to this. The power that takes a dead human being and raises them to life nobody can do that nobody but for god and that my friends that is where death was arrested that is a supreme display of god's infinite and almighty power if you need proof there it is look at the fact that jesus christ the only begotten son of the living god is risen from the dead there's power right there well, that happened to Jesus, though. What about me? You know, that power is awesome. 
But what we find is that power is ours. That very same power, that exact same power, that mega super duper energy above and beyond power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, that is the power that's in you. That exact same power. Look at verse 15. It says, for this reason. For this reason. What's he talking about? Verses 1 through 14. That whole thing about your salvation, your calling, your redemption, your inheritance, who you are in Christ and what he's called you to be as a Christian. That, the fact that you are saved, look at it. I have because, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith, because you are a believer in Jesus, in the Lord Jesus, and you have love, that I do not cease to give thanks for you. But instead, uh, he goes on, he prays and prays and prays. But the point is, because you are a believer, this power is yours. All of that that he just described is in you. It's awesome and it's ours. Now, let's, let's look at the third one and it's this. It's also available. It's also available. So it's awesome and it's ours um, and it's available. Verse 20. Okay, so before we show you that slide, I'm sorry, I'm going to say one more thing. It's available. So the question is, I think for me and perhaps for a lot of us is, okay, so how is it available? Because I, you know, like I try, but I always feel that power. Where do I get it? Where do I find that power? It's awesome. It's ours. It's available. So where, how, where? Uh, show me, Pastor. Here it is. Ephesians chapter t- 1, verse 22. This power that's ours, it's awesome. It's available. The same power that he raised Jesus from the dead, he put all things under his feet and gave him, that is, gave Jesus to the church. He gave Jesus to the church. He gave that power to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. What makes the church valuable? Why do you come here week after week? Why can't you just do it with some parachurch organization? They're Christians. They meet together. They pray. They sing. They might even have a sermon. What's, what, what's the thing? Why do we come to the organized church? What does it matter? Can't I just go off into the woods and do my own thing with Jesus by myself? Answer is not if you want the power. Not if you want the power at work in your life because there's something special about the gathered body of Christ. For whatever reason, God in his own infinite wisdom purposely and intentionally chose to give Jesus to the church. That is where he gave Jesus. He gave him, that one that he raised from the dead, the name above every other name, not to education, which is valuable, not to health care, which is valuable, not to the government, which is important. He gave them to the church. The church is valuable because we have Jesus. 
in a unique and special way. We are his body. Later in Ephesians, we'll talk about the different body parts and stuff like that and how they function, as in that's an analogy that we're all part of the body. But here today, it's enough to know that the power is there. The power is available. Power is ours. And the way we access it is actually through the church. In a lot of ways, it's through the church. So in other words, what I'm saying to you is this. If you want the power, then here's the theme for today. Connect to the body to apply the power. You have to connect to the body to apply the power. Let me show you how this works on the Nerf gun. Okay, so here's the Nerf gun, right? It's got all these parts. But let's, so again, flip up sights. That's pretty cool. A lot of guys who buy actual firearms will put some really fancy sights on their gun because they want to shoot it accurate. Uh, another thing on a gun, an important part, is this chamber. The reason is, is because... This is the mechanism that gets dirty when you shoot the gun. And so you have to clean it a lot. And you have to be careful to make sure it's in good working other order. Otherwise, you get jams. So the chamber is really important. Also, another important part is the barrel. If you get a bent barrel, you're never going to shoot it straight. And so a lot of times, fancy guns will say, we got a target competition barrel. We've got a really heavy barrel. It shoots super straight. It's guaranteed not to vary. All the tolerances are really high. It's tight, 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 tight. So people talk about you know, the, the barrel, the chamber, the sights. People will talk about the trigger. You know, you want a really nice trigger so you don't pull it off. And there's all these fancy parts, but they have to work together. Now, what if you don't feel, you personally, me personally, don't feel like a fancy trigger or a chamber that gets talked about a lot. Or maybe a barrel that's neat and shiny. Maybe you're just a magazine. You're like this. And you're like, uh, I'm pretty simple, really. I'm just a rectangle with a spring. Well, that's it. I don't really feel that powerful. I'm not that fancy. In fact, nobody talks about me. What happens in a magazine is you shoot it. And then after you shoot it, you go and you pop the next one in. That's a magazine. Not real valuable. It's thrown on the ground. Nobody cares. But you know what happens to this gun if there's no magazine? It doesn't work. It's absolutely essential for this firearm to function to have the magazine. In other words, if you want the power that is latent or effective in this firearm, it has to be connected. And then... It works. It works. All the parts, regardless of how fancy or non-fancy, are are important. And if they are not connected to this body, it doesn't work. So too with the church. It doesn't matter what part you are. Maybe you're up front. Maybe you're front and center. Everybody knows your name. Maybe nobody ever sees you. You're an internal mechanism like a spring or a bolt or something like that. If those things don't work, if the firing pin doesn't fire forward, doesn't shoot. There's thousands of parts in this thing. And every single one of them has to be perfectly connected for it to work.
What am I saying? I'm saying to you this morning, if you want to be, if you want to experience the power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, then you need to connect with his body. Jesus is the head of the church and he transfers the mind of Christ and what he wants you to do through the body. And so if you're an arm or a leg or you're a part and you disconnect yourself, you miss out. But if you plug in, you begin to experience the power. Now, let me start. First of all, let me, I'm going to give you a few ways you can connect. You can experience the power. But I also want to address something I know is there. Is you're here this morning. I'm glad. There's probably some people who aren't because they've been hurt by the church. You know, they've experienced people within the body who aren't that kind or aren't that great. And those hurts could go from a little small thing like they looked at me funny, they stepped on my toes, they said something I didn't like, all the way up to the terrible things you hear about in the news. You scratch your head and say, whoa, I sure hope that person goes to jail. That is terrible. And whether they go to jail or not, we know this, we serve a just and righteous God and he will avenge every wrong that has ever been done. Even in the church. Sometimes there's people that are in the church that aren't exactly sheep. They might be wolves, and that's true. The Bible warns us to watch out and protect the flock. But the thing is this. God is good. God's in control. Jesus wins and will be resurrected. So even if, even if bad things have happened, you got to understand that wasn't the head that did that to you. That wasn't Jesus. And there's a good chance it wasn't even part of the body. It was a fake or a fraud. And so don't cut yourself off and miss out on the power because some sham hurts you. That will only hurt you more. Find a place where you can plug in and be free of that and move on. But if you say, I don't want any more of that for the rest of my life, then you miss out. I know it's hurtful. I'm not arguing or saying it was good. It was terrible. But if you amputate yourself from the body and you're a limb, that means you will die. You have to plug back in. So how can we plug in then? Well, there's a lot of ways. You you hear about the announcements and you see the newsletter and you see the prayer requests and things in our church. I'll give you a few simple examples in this. This is this. First of all, I just say maximize your Sunday morning experience. You know, there's still tournaments and other stuff that go on on the weekend. But generally, Sunday morning is pretty quiet. It's carved out. So... If you've only got Sunday, maybe you travel during the week, or maybe you this, or maybe you that, maybe you're far away, maximize that Sunday experience. Instead of coming to just one service and going away, plug in in some other venue. Be a part of a small church. Now, when I first came here, I'm like, a small church? Somebody emailed me and they said, sorry, I can't. I got small church. I'm like, you go to a small church and Midland Free? How's that work? I don't know. No, what that means is there's some groups of people back here that meet at different times, either first hour or second hour. And if you want to be a part of the body, if you want to have people know who you are, if you want them to pray for you, if you want them to care about you, if you want to be encouraged, go there. It's really hard. You just come in and go out here. You won't necessarily feel it. I mean, it's a little bit of a big room. It's a disconnect. But you go there 
and it's smaller and it's closer and people get to know you and they follow what's going on in your life. That's a good spot. And then what happens is maybe you go to a small church in the morning and then you have the service. Well, in between there, there's a little bit of a margin. There's a time gap. And we do that on purpose. We could shorten it up and put them back to back, but we want to give you a chance to interact. I know maybe you're an introvert. Okay, come in, sit down, read your Bible. That's fine. And someone might come up and say hi to you. Don't be scared. It's okay. Maybe they won't. But if you're not an introvert, man, that's your chance to go around and say, hey, how's it going? You know, da-da-da. Let's go get some coffee over here and enjoy each other's fellowship in the morning. Be built up. Be a part of the body. There's somebody who needs you. Not only do you need them, but there's somebody who's waiting for the word that you have to say that morning to encourage them. And that's often where I find that it happens the most. You know, we have programs, we have activities, but we can't program the Holy Spirit. We can't program perfection. And what you find is, maybe you sit through a whole sermon and you get nothing. Maybe. Maybe you, yeah, thank you, just maybe. You sit through it, you're like, man, I just spent a whole hour. But... It was only 35 minutes. But you go out in the hallway and you bump into somebody and they put their hand on your shoulder and they pray for you and they give you just the word that you needed this morning and you have no, they had no idea what was going on that week in your life. And the Holy Spirit grabs them and they grab you and they just put you together without you doing anything about it and all of a sudden you're like, wow, you had no idea. It's in that five second gap. God filled it in. That's what happens. When you're part of the body, it's in the places you least expect, and you encounter Christ, and you're surprised, and you didn't have any idea. Maybe they're just praying to bless the food. You know, you're having a muffin, and they pray for the muffin. All of a sudden, you're crying over muffins. I don't know. It happens. You know, it takes time, though, and this is probably one of the things I've, as I've, you know, grown in ministry, and been in different places, seen as probably one of the most important things is just understand it takes time. Like spiritual growth and relationships in the church, it doesn't happen overnight. I mean, it takes a lot of time. And there's people that come into the room and they may be all flashy, boom, bang, and everyone knows them. They're like, woohoo, wow, there's so-and-so. And there's this other folks over here and they're quiet. And nobody knows who they are. But then after 5, 10, 15, 20 years, and flash, boom, bang goes away, and that quiet little faithful person still sitting right there. There's the gold right there. It's the people who stay. There's a big difference between a sparkler and a coal. If you want a hot flame, look for the coals. Look for someone that's for real and they're consistent and they just show up time after time after time. And they never quit and they never go away. There's something there. Even if you can't see it, I'm telling you, it's under the surface and it's hot. So listen, you got you got to plug in. I, I'm I'm not just saying that to you know whatever our church. The reality is this: here's a summary of God's power. Here's a slide. The power of God is like this. It's awesome. I hope if you got nothing else, you, you figured that out, right? It's mega, super duper, super duper power. It's there. It's available for you. Holy Spirit, you know, working inside you and working inside them. You're bonded to Christ. He is the head. You want to be a good bond. That means connect to the body. This power is ours. It's available. And it's available through the church. 
We're the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. It's crazy. I want to be one with Jesus, but I don't want to be part of the church. Doesn't work. Doesn't make sense. Jesus' body is the church. If you want to be one with him, if you want to feel his love, you got to love his bride. Right? If you want to experience power, you have to be a part of the body. If you want to experience Jesus, you need to be part of his church. And if you want to be led by the head, you have to be part of the body. So, it's available. Connect to the body to apply the power. Father, we thank you. We praise you. You're a good and gracious God. You do all things well. Lord, I want your power in my life. Obviously, I'm connected to the church, but... uh, Lord, I pray that you'd help me to connect in a different way. Not just as pastor or preacher or elder or shepherd, but as someone who really loves your body, who appreciates you and wants to be one. Lord God, thank you for your body. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for your power. And thank you for your church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.